and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast that will help you have an incredible Walt Disney World vacation, even if you're on a shoestring budget. This week, I'm sharing my favorite things in the theme parks that most people skip. Plus, I'll answer a reader question about visiting during Marathon Week in January. Welcome again, everyone, to episode 11. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World several times each year, but I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve, so I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my sites and here in the podcast. This week's show is about my favorite things in the parks that most people never see, so let's get to them. The goal of most visitors to Walt Disney World is to check as many of the headliner attractions off their lists as possible in the time that they have in the parks. While there's nothing wrong with wanting to experience the most popular attractions, I mean, they're popular for a reason, they're mostly amazing. When you're racing from headliner to headliner, you run the chance of leaving your vacation exhausted and not actually enjoying yourself while you're there. So you will not see everything on any trip to Walt Disney World. I don't care if you're staying there for months on end, it's just too massive of a place. So whether you've been many times or you're planning your first trip, I want you to have an incredible vacation and just be wowed by the attention to detail and magical touches that are found all around the Disney parks. But I read many negative reviews online of the whole Walt Disney World experience and most of them start off like this. I waited in line for hours and the parks were crowded and it just wasn't that great. So my advice for people going the first time or on your 30th trip is to just make a few priorities for attractions you don't want to miss, then leave plenty of unscheduled times. Some of the best things at Walt Disney World aren't the headliner rides, but instead are found off the beaten path and may not even be on a map. In this episode, I'm sharing my 15 favorite things at Walt Disney World that most people skip and never see on their vacation. I hope you hear about something that you maybe haven't seen before and that this show inspires you to check out one of these hidden in plain sight gems at Walt Disney World. I'm starting in the Magic Kingdom and I'm going straight to my favorite attraction in the Magic Kingdom because why waste time? Just go for it, right? Um, that is the People Mover, formerly known as the Wedway People Mover. And this is my favorite attraction for so many reasons. I mean, I could talk for a whole show about this attraction. It's amazing. Most people skip it because it doesn't have a lot of pizzazz. It is simply a car that you sit in and it moves you around Tomorrowland. It goes in and out of different attractions in Tomorrowland. The narration is amazing. I just don't know what else to say. I can't even talk about this attraction. I love it so much. It was my daughter's first attraction she went ever went on. She was three months old. I took her on the people mover. And of course, she just sat in my lap and because she was three months old. But please don't skip it like most people do. It's just a lovely experience. It's great during the day. It's really fun at night. You get to kind of look down on the hub there at the Magic Kingdom and see the people in the castles lit up. It's just a lovely experience. So you can get on the attraction. It's kind of on the back side of this central um building in the middle of Tomorrowland. And my second attraction on my list here is actually directly above it, and that is the Astro Orbiter. 
So you cannot get a fast pass for either of these two attractions. So for that reason, it falls off a lot of people's lists. But the Astro Orbiter, like I said, is directly above the People Mover. It's these little jets that fly in a circle high above Tomorrowland, and you can move a lever to make them go up and down. Now, it's a fun experience riding it because you have to take an elevator to get up to the attraction. It's the only way to get on it. For that reason, it's a slow-moving attraction. So I would recommend doing it first thing in the morning when you get there before the line builds it's even if the line looks short it's going to take a long time to get up there but it is so much fun to fly around up above the magic kingdom it probably gives you the best vantage of the whole park of any attraction in any place other than the contemporary and those rooms that look right down on the magic kingdom and bay lake tower so it's just a really fun experience. Most people skip it, and I suggest that you give it a try. It goes kind of fast at the end, too. It really wings you around. And uh, my daughter went on it. I think she was four, and uh, she was a little, you know, startled by the end. But overall, she loved the ride, and it was great. So another thing that most people skip at the Magic Kingdom, because it's closed off for a large part of the day, is the inside of Cinderella Castle. So you can actually walk through Cinderella Castle at various points. Anytime there's a stage show in front of the castle, it's going to be blocked off and you can't get through. I believe it's blocked off in the morning too when the park opens and it, you direct people to the side. Oh yeah, because they have that stage show in front of the castle in the morning. But anyway, inside Cinderella Castle, if you can find a time when it's open, take the time to walk through because there are gorgeous murals. They're mosaic murals inside that depict the story of Cinderella. They are just works of art, obviously. They are gorgeous. I have photographs of them from years ago. They are a beautiful touch to the experience. And then just walking through the castle out into Fantasyland gives you this experience of entering into this world, which is what the Imagineers wanted when they designed this, that you leave the Main Street USA behind and you walk through the portal of the castle and you're transported to Fantasyland. So if you've never had that experience, it's really great. Like I said, it's closed off for parts of the day, so you kind of have to catch it when there isn't a show going on. So another thing that a lot of people skip is a character meet and greet, which is my favorite character meet and greet in Magic Kingdom, but it's kind of tucked away in the back of New Fantasyland. It's kind of disguised as you're not really sure what goes on in there. And I'm talking about Pete's Silly Sideshow is the name of the attraction. In there, you can meet four characters at one meet and greet, actually, Minnie, Daisy, Goofy, and Donald. And they are in these great costumes. They're like in um, circus performer get-ups. And I have had the best character interaction there, particularly with Goofy and Donald. They are hysterical. And it's a really fun meet and greet. It's totally air-conditioned inside. So anytime you're going to wait, it's going to be in the AC, which is just a blessed relief during the summer or other times when it's hot. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's on most people's radar because you cannot fast pass it. And it doesn't open when the park opens in the morning. It doesn't open until 10 o'clock usually, and then it closes a little bit before the park closes. So you can usually see these characters without much wait and get four characters meeting in at once. And my last thing in the Magic Kingdom 
is just a joy that I love to go to. I don't get there very often because of the difficulty in getting there, and that is Tom Sawyer Island. So you must take a raft to get to Tom Sawyer Island. It will look like you can kind of walk there over a bridge, but that is not so. The only way in and out of the island is on this raft. And I mean, most people skip it because there's no rides, there's nothing like that on it. But wow, is it such a fun place to explore and let kids burn off some steam and experience that frontier land theming and magic at Walt Disney World. And I do have a funny story about it. My husband and I, this was before kids, they have um, caves that go through and there's scary signs out front like beware of the, the cave. I can't even remember what it's called, but they, we were walking through one of these caves and this poor woman was terrified and got separated from her party in the cave and she was just kind of pressed up against the side and help me please help me out. So we led this woman by the hand out of the cave at, at Magic Kingdom. Oh, and we just still talk about it to this day. That poor woman was so scared in that cave. But it was great, a great memory. And even two adults had so much fun exploring Tom Sawyer Island. I recommend you take, um, you know, it takes a little bit of time to explore it. Set aside an hour to go check it out. Um, sit on the rocking chairs on the dock there and, and enjoy the riverboat going by. And it's such a treat. Okay, I'm jumping over to Epcot and I'm starting with an attraction that I'm really not sure how many people see and how many people skip. But one time I was on Soarin', I was riding by myself and so I was talking with the couple in line and we got off the ride. They loved Soarin', they'd never been on it before. Please don't ever skip Soarin' when you go to Epcot. Shame if you do, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's really the best attraction there. Um, anyway, we're getting off and they said they had fast passes to go on Imagination, Journey into Imagination with Figment. And I said, have you been to the, the seas with Nemo and friends yet? And they said, no, we just thought that was a cl the clamshell ride and just for kids and everything. And I said, oh, no, you, have, you must go see Turtle Talk with Crush. And I actually walked them over there because I'm that crazy lady at the parks who will just like take you by the hand and walk you over to an attraction. But anyway, <laughs> I walked them to the back entrance of the seas. So you don't have to ride the clamshell ride to get into the rest of the seas with Nemo and friends. You can go back and go in through the gift shop, which is really the exit of the attraction, if you want to just see the aquariums that are inside and Turtle Talk with Crush is back there. So if you've never done it, it's an interactive show with Crush up on a screen. The kids in, in the audience all sit in the front and they're allowed to ask Crush questions about life in the ocean and turtle life. And depending on the person that you get who is playing Crush for the day, the day oh, spoiler alert, it's not really crush. This can be one of the most hysterical attractions at Walt Disney World and is really not to be missed. I mean, if you had to decide between Journey into Imagination with Figment, I mean, it used to be great, but it is now pretty bad. It's a, among my least favorite attractions at Walt Disney World. If you had to choose between that and Turtle Talk with Crush all day, Turtle Talk with Crush, it is outstanding, especially if you get someone playing Crush who is real funny. So Please don't miss that. Even if you don't want to do the clamshell ride, go around the back and check out Turtle Talk with Crush. So another thing in Norway that I think a lot of people skip is hidden back in the 
Canada Pavilion and World Showcase, there's a series of walkways that kind of weave back into the Canada Pavilion and there's gorgeous waterfalls rushing back there and kind of bridges that you go over the waterfalls. And I don't think people take much time to go back there. You kind of go through the garden area outside of La Cellier first that winds back into the Canada Pavilion. You can also get to it by going up and over, like down to where you would see the movie in Canada. But it is the only place I have ever seen ice, real ice, at Walt Disney World. My husband and I visited in December one year, and we it was so cold. We had on hats and gloves, and we're freezing. And we walked back there, and there's actually ice on a part of that waterfall that the sun didn't get to. And we were like, wow, ice in Florida. Now that's a novelty. So it's, it's very pretty back there. If you've never been back, take a minute to check it out. Speaking of wandering back into Pavilions and World Showcase, I think in the Japan Pavilion, most people will walk into the Mitsukoshi department store there and, and only experience the front part of it, not realizing that this department store actually goes all the way to the very back of the Japan Pavilion and it wraps around in the back. And back there are the best things at Mitsukoshi, the food, of course. So they sell Japanese candies and snacks and also noodles and tea, etc. that you can take home with you. And I feel like it's the only store at Walt Disney World where I buy something there every time I'm at Walt Disney World because it's so much fun. Now, also back tucked away in this store is my husband's favorite thing at Epcot, and that is a sake bar that is not on most people's radar, but you can buy sake by the, I don't know, little sake cup, I guess, full there and uh, sample some of their bottles before you buy. And the cast members from Japan are just precious and lovely people back there. And they're so nice to talk to. We've stayed there and talked to some women about life in Japan and sake drinking in general. And they really educated us. And I love interacting with cast members in World Showcase. That is one of the best things about World Showcase are that the people there are from the country that they represent and they are happy to talk to you about life in their country. They're usually homesick and they want to talk about home. So it's really a joy to talk to them. So do not miss the back part of the Mitsubishi Koshi department store in Japan for all of the good food and sake. If you never tried sake, give it a try. It's wonderful. So next in the American Adventure Pavilion is an attraction called the American Adventure. And it is an audio animatronic show that is really outstanding. I love the show. I don't see it every time I go, not even close, but I do feel like it's an overlooked attraction for many people. It's kind of hard to find because you have to go inside this huge building, the American Adventure Pavilion, and then it's kind of back in, in the back there. And you're led up a big winding ramp to go up to go into the theater where the show is held. But I've taken some friends there before who was their first time at Disney World. They were so wowed by that attraction. And it's very patriotic and moving. I mean, if you're from America, you'll be like, yep, this is pretty American. <laughs> but it's really not to be missed. It's Disney storytelling at kind of at its best. So don't skip it. Next, in Norway, there is a church that is out in the front part of the pavilion. It's a wooden stave church. It's actually a scaled down replica of a real wooden stave church from Norway. And most people see it and think it is part of the 
attract, you know, part of the theme there. And they don't realize that you can go inside of the stave church. And there's a small museum that is dedicated to some element of Norwegian culture. For a long time, it was uh, about frozen and the clothing and architecture that inspired the movie. I don't know what the exhibit is now. I believe it has changed recently, but it changes every... I don't know, maybe a ge- every year or two. And it's lovely to go in there. It's always quiet and peaceful. And then you step back out and it's rah, Disney World again. But it's such a nice retreat and educational experience there that's in Norway that I think a lot of people skip. Okay, and last thing at Epcot is just a super fun experience that I can't believe is free at Disney World. <laughs> it is. And I, I don't know that that many people skip it. I think it has gained some popularity and notoriety, but that is Club Cool. This is in Future World, and it is pretty close to the walkway that goes over to World Showcase. It would be on the right side when you're walking past the fountains of nation fountain of nations there it's right on the right side right by starbucks but when you go inside you can sample sodas from all over the world it's sponsored by coca-cola so they're likely owned by coca-cola in some capacity but you get unlimited little cups and you can sample sodas from all around the world and i just love watching people's faces in there when they try these wacky sodas most of them are delicious except super sweet like ooh, i'm not a soda drinker that much and i taste these and i'm like wow Um, but there is the famous beverly which is kind of an aperitif, I think it's called in Italy, that's like a palate cleanser and it's quite bitter. And so people's faces when they try the Beverly is a a real treat. So I'm jumping over to Animal Kingdom now and I'm going to start with the train that can take you back to an area of Animal Kingdom called Conservation Station. And what's my favorite thing back there is a petting farm where there are exotic animals from around the world. They're domesticated exotic animals. So I'm talking about special sheep and goats and cows and what have you. And kids can go in and adults and pet and brush the animals back there. And it is such a fun thing that I I don't know what percentage of people that go to Epcot actually do this. It is a little bit involved to ride the train back, but it is so much fun. Take some time. So I would say dedicate about an hour to the experience. You can meet Chip and Dale back there. And there's also behind the scenes look into their veterinary rooms and can learn more about the animal care at Animal Kingdom back there. And there's overall kind of a conservation message. But the petting zoo is really fun and don't skip it if you can help it. Next thing at Animal Kingdom are these walking paths that wind back behind the Tree of Life that are kind of hidden away. The entrances to them are not obvious, particularly if you wind around to the right of the Tree of Life. There's the exit of It's Tough to Be a Bug, but you can walk actually back into there and it'll look like you're walking into the exit of the attraction, but it's okay. You can walk back behind there and there are paths that wind back behind the tree of life. Now they allow you to see the the carvings on the tree of life on the backside up close. The only other way to see them is kind of across that river there where you can't see the detail up close and the detail is incredible on the tree. You can also get to them on the way to Africa. There's an entrance tucked off to the right and there are animals back there as well. I believe there's parrots and I can't remember what else, but 
if you have not ever seen those and seen the tree of life from that vantage point, it's pretty amazing. So I recommend doing that. Next, I know most people go to Pandora, the world of Avatar, and ride the attractions first thing in the morning because they get so crowded later in the day. And I think for that reason, a lot of people don't go back then to Pandora at night to see this land at night. And it is a completely different experience. It comes to life. The plant life plants that are, you know, imagineered plants glow and there are bioluminescent plants everywhere. I believe the sidewalks light up and there's drumming there at night. It is just gorgeous. And so if you have never been to Pandora at night, make a point to go there. Even if it's after, say you see Rivers of Light, the evening show at Animal Kingdom, which is an honorable mention on this list. I think it's low on people's list of uh, nighttime shows to check out. And so they leave it off if they're going to see, you know, the fireworks in Magic Kingdom and Illuminations of Epcot, and then they skip Rivers of Light. It is an incredible show. So put that on the list too as an honorable mention. But even after the show, go back to Pandora at night for a few minutes and experience that place at night because it's incredible. So the last thing on my list is a bar. It's perfect to end with a bar, right? It's called the Dawa Bar, and it is in Africa section of Animal Kingdom. And it's right at the entrance to the... Um, Lion Festival of the Lion King <clears throat> and Tusker House where you check in for Tusker House there is a bar back in there and it is a great place to chill out and absorb the atmosphere in that marketplace area there there's live music performances throughout the day I cannot remember the name of the group but they are amazingly talented people that perform in that marketplace area you can sit back there soak up that fantastic vibe and enjoy a drink in the parks at the Dawa Bar. to answer a question that's been asked several times on the blog and recently in the Budget Mouse Facebook group. And that is about visiting Walt Disney World during Marathon Weekend. Um, Run Disney holds an event in January every year. That's the Walt Disney World Marathon. In 2019, events are being held Wednesday, January 9th through Sunday, January 13th. So the question is, how bad are the crowds during Marathon Weekend? January is generally a very low crowd time of year to visit, and they want to know, you know, what should they expect in terms of crowds for this event? So first I will say that the, the event does not affect park hours in any way. The races are held at 5.30 a.m. and they are done before the parks open. So you will not find that the parks are closed off or anything during the event. Runners line up, I believe, as early as 4 a.m. or maybe even earlier. Let me know if you're a Run Disney person. Um, so while there's no park closings, there are a lot of people. So in 2018, I think it was 100,000 runners and spectators were there for the event. So there are, <laughs> there are a lot of people that come for this event. 
I would say that weekend, the Saturday and Sunday is the half marathon and the marathon. That is going to be crowded, very crowded. I would avoid that weekend if you can help it. But the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday leading up to that weekend, I think are going to be generally a little bit more crowded than January, but are not going to be insane crowds at all. I think most people arrive Friday for the weekend events. So. If you're planning a trip around that time of year, I would suggest avoiding Saturday and Sunday. Transportation is particularly difficult as they're trying to get people back from the run when they're done and it's just kind of hectic. I have not personally been during that time. This is all from hearing what other people have said in their experiences. Okay, a few housekeeping things here. I'm going to be in Disney World next week. And I asked on the Budget Mouse Facebook group this week, would folks be interested in a nightly report of my trip with what we did and how I saved money on that part of the trip? And there were many responses, yes, that y'all would like to hear that. So I'm going to be attempting this from Walt Disney World, posting a short clip after each day because there's always so much to remember and I forget it by the time I get home. I plan to kind of combine all those clips into just one show afterwards but i am going to be updating them nightly while i'm there so watch for that also there's an amazing deal on walt disney world tickets right now and it's only good until july 22nd so if you're listening to this july 22nd 2018 head over to the blog for details that's the budgetmouse.com you can save up to 110 dollars per ticket that's almost 450 dollars on park tickets for a family of four and finding deals on walt disney world tickets are so rare. So I really suggest jumping on that. These tickets are good through the end of 2019. So even if you're not going till next year, you can jump on the offer now. And last, I get to thank my very first patrons who are supporting the show over at patreon.com. So special thanks to Ashley, Kim, Becky, and Laura for being the first people to jump on board as Mouseketeers. So welcome, and I'm so happy and thankful for your support. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, patreon.com is a site where you can support content creators with small monthly donations, and in return, you get access to special content. So I have two membership tiers. There's a basic budget Mouseketeer that is $2 a month, only $2 a month, and you'll get exclusive patron-only blog posts every month, and mentioned as a patron in the podcast episode, what I just did. I also have a $5 a month level where you'll get behind the scenes videos that are just from patrons, some of them from the Disney park. So I am doing some videos for patrons while I am there next week. And my goal is to get to a $200 a month support of my efforts. And then I will start doing quarterly giveaways of Disney parks, merchandise, or gift cards that's just for patrons. So in in exchange for a little bit of support, I am giving back to you right away with content and giveaways. So you can head over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for The Budget Mouse, or there's a link to my Patreon site on thebudgetmouse.com. So thanks again so much for listening. You can find me on social media. I'm at the Budget Mouse on Instagram. I'll be posting a lot during my trip next week. You can find me there. You can search for the Budget Mouse on Facebook and join our private free Facebook group. Just ask to join and I will add you. Thanks again for listening and have a magical day.